Hey guys, I'm Lorena, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad that you're here, and we want to connect with you and your family. So please text River Connect to 97,000, and you can also um, visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and all the upcoming events we have. And lastly, if you want to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Last week, Pastor Justin kicked off our next steps, our Reach, Gather, Grow. And he talked about how the first step is getting to know Jesus. But it's also movement. It don't stop there. Quite often we see that people take that first step, and then they say, okay, that's it. I've done this part. I don't need to do any more. When in reality, that is just the first step, as he said. You continue to go. You continue to grow. And quite often, that leads into leadership roles. Next steps, which is what we had last week. A couple weeks ago, you've seen tables in the back if you were here. Some of us were back there. We answered any questions. What does next steps look like? But what next steps does is it leads into our Reach, Gather, Gather, Grow series, and it also kicks off our growth communities. For me, as the kids director, that means Awana. So I've been prepping the last month, the last two months. We've been building up. We've been ramping up for Awana. Along with that, I heard something yesterday on the radio that kind of just it struck a nerve with me. It kind of beat me up a little emotionally. And I already knew it, but to hear it said on the radio kind of set it in stone. The guy on the radio said, enjoy this weekend because it is unofficially the end of summer. And I was like, you shut your mouth. I'm changing the station. I don't want to hear that kind of nonsense. I love summer, right? But I've known it. We've seen school buses hitting the roads more often. Kids are going back to school. But it, within the church, we know that the end of summer is coming when we start ramping up for our growth communities. Because this is the season of us getting into our growth communities. Reach, Gather, Grow. That's the series. We do this twice a year. We do it at the beginning of the year in January. And we do it right around this time, like I said, to kick off our growth communities, to get us going. With our growth communities, one thing as staff, as the River Church that we are doing is we are looking for leaders. We are looking for people who are willing and want to grow and develop in leaders. So today, I want to look at what does the Bible say about leadership? So as I said, I'm the kids' ministry. I'm in the kids' ministry back there. And back in May, right at the end of our Awana on a Wednesday night, I kind of went over something similar with, to this with the kids. And I said, kids, what is a leader? And I had one kid jump right up and it goes, it's somebody who tells others what to do. And I said, I bet you, you think you're a leader, don't you? And we all had a good laugh and we moved on. Another kid said, it's a boss. 
had a few of those, actually. And then another kid said, it's somebody who teaches others something. And I'm like, we're getting there. We're headed in the right direction. But then I did what every person does nowadays, and I went to Google. <laughs> and I said, Mr. Google, what is the definition of a leader? Now, if you've ever been let down by Google, this is what it looks like. Because I typed that in, and I hit search, and this is what Google told me. A leader is a person who leads. <laughs> Seriously, Google? Thank you for that profound statement. Like, I, Wow. But I did come across the list of people from the world's history and what they thought a leader looks like. There was a man named Niccolo Machiavelli. He was an Italian author, philosopher, and historian. And he said, leaders should be feared. They should not be loved. People should not like you. They should fear you. He ruled with an iron fist, or that he believed that's how it should be. When I read that, I thought of people like Adolf Hitler, Fidel Castro, Saddam Hussein, maybe more modern, Kim Jong-un over in North Korea. Someone who says, fear me, fear me, fear me. Then it went on to say Socrates. Most of us probably know the name Socrates. He was a Greek philosopher. And he says, leaders should not be tyrannical. They should not be feared. Nor should they be democratic. So leaders shouldn't be someone who is feared, and they also shouldn't be the most popular. They should be those who have the greatest knowledge, abilities, and virtues. Now that's what Socrates says. A little after Socrates, there was another Greek philosopher named Aristotle, and he's getting closer to what I want to look at today. Aristotle says leaders should first be followers so they intimately know what the people need. Leaders should first be followers so they intimately know what the people need. As a leader here, I also have another job where I am also a, a team leader. So leadership is something that I'm always looking to grow in. It's something that I'm always looking, how can I better myself? And along my studies, I come across the name John Maxwell. I don't know if any of you know John Maxwell. John Maxwell is one of the most sought-after leadership teachers in the entire world. Now, what I love about John Maxwell is he's a former pastor, he's a Christian, he's a believer. His leadership style is based off of biblical principles. John Maxwell has many, many well-known well quotes, one of which is the definition of a leader, his definition of a leader. And he says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. John Maxwell says, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Hey, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, today. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you do for us, for, for giving us your word that we can dig in, that we can learn, that we can grow. Father, we thank you for the ultimate blessing that you gave us when you sent your son. 
Uh, Lord, we ask that you guide us today, that you, you work in our hearts in a way that only you can, that this is your message that is delivered. Father, on a more personal note, I would like to lift up the Snyder family as they have an obstacle presented in front of them, that you guide them with wisdom as they traverse this obstacle. Lord, we love you, we honor you, we lift this up to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. Sounds simple, right? Simple enough. Know the way, go the way, show the way. It's actually quite profound. There's actually layers to each one of those. So today I want to kind of dig into those layers a little bit, and we want to look at each one. So the first one, know the way. So again, being what we do, I went back to Google, and I said, Google, what does it mean to know? This time Google actually came through for me. I got got to give him his props. Google said, to know means to be aware of through observation, inquiring of information, or having developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending time with them. Know the way. Be aware of the way. Observe the way. Inquire and learn of the way. Develop a relationship with the way by meeting and spending time with the way. If you have a Bible or a device, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to start right in the first verse. While you're going there, Scripture will be on the screen. While you're going there, I want to paint a picture leading up to the beginning of John chapter 14. So at the end of John chapter 13, Jesus has just called out Judas, saying, you're going to betray me. Judas gets up, he leaves. Then Jesus says, pretty soon I'm going to be, I'm going to be leaving you. And Peter goes, being Peter, he speaks up and says, where are you going, Jesus? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't go. But one day I will come back and I will get you. And Peter says, what do you mean I can't go with you? I'm Peter. Like, I would die for you. What do you mean I can't go with you? And Jesus is like, really, Peter, you would die for me? Like, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you're going to deny me three times. So that's where chapter 13 ends. So we see that the disciples, the apostles, they're kind of worked up right now because Jesus just said, hey, I'm I'm about to leave. So in chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus is saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I have, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus right there is telling him, my, in my father's house is many rooms. If that wasn't true, would I tell you that I'm going to prepare a place? So he's telling him, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But then he goes on and he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know where I'm going. He's like, I just told you where I'm going. You know where I'm going. So then Thomas being doubting Thomas, as we call him, doubting everything, he says, Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how could we know the way? 
we don't know where you're going. So if we don't know the destination, how are we going to know how to get there? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Know the way. The first step in leadership is knowing the way. It's knowing Jesus. But that's not a small task. These disciples spent every minute of every day from the time they were called until the time that Jesus went back to heaven after his resurrection, and they were still sitting here going, what do you mean, Jesus? I don't get it. What kind of challenge is that for us? They saw the miracles. They saw Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life. They heard Jesus preach. They saw Jesus make a blind man see. They saw Jesus cast out demons, yet they did not know the way. How much more of a challenge for us to be in our Bible is that? Jesus says, I am the way. We have to know Jesus. We have to be aware of Jesus. We have to inquire of Jesus. Develop a relationship with Jesus and spend time with Jesus. So how can we know him? John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word. If you skip down to verse 14, says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. We have to know Jesus to know the way. We know Jesus by getting into the word. The word of God, the Bible, many will call a road map for how we should live our life. It gets us from where we're at to our final destination. However, we are not so good at following that roadmap. So Jesus said, let me come show you. Jesus literally is the word in the flesh. Jesus said, this is what the Bible says. You don't get it, so let me show you. Let me give you an example. So spending time in the Bible, not just on Sundays when you're here, or wherever you may be, it's got to be a a lifestyle. It's got to be what we do. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When we get into the Word of God, when we get into the Word, the Bible, it trains us for this righteousness. It equips us for every good work. Knowing the way. It's the first step of leadership. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the first step. In the words of a famous comedian named Bill Engvall, here's your sign. 
Except for he used it more derogatory. I'm not using it so derogatory. I'm using it more so as a call to action. Right now is the time that you make that step. Step one is to know Jesus. To know the way. Develop a relationship with him by spending time with him and learning about him. Make sure you do that today if you haven't already done that. But if you have and you spend time in your Bible, then you know the Bible gives us detailed directions. And one of them that is most clear is in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the way in which he walked. Let me read that again. Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he's a follower of Jesus, whoever claims that they're a Christian ought to walk the way that he walked. That would be going the way, right? If you claim that you know the way, then the next step is to go the way. We have to follow the way. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now what Paul's saying here is he's not saying, hey, look at me because I got it all worked out. Follow me because I can show you the way. Well, I mean, he can show you the way, but it's pointing at Christ. What Paul is saying is, hey, come here, let's do this together. Follow me because I'm following this guy. Like, you, like I'll bring you on board but there's a good probability that I'm going to let you down at some point. But this guy up here that I'm following, Jesus, he won't. He won't. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. Jesus himself goes on to say, and this is quoted in three of four Gospels, so it's probably pretty important. In Matthew chapter 16, 24, and Mark Chapter 8, verse 34, and in Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus is saying, follow me. Jesus isn't saying, hey, let's head in the same direction, but you can go that route as long as we get to the same. No, Because that route's not going to take you to the same destination that Jesus is going to take you. Jesus is saying, pick up your cross and follow me. Go the way. What does that look like? The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I'm going to reword that for you. Don't be selfish. Be humble. Count others more important than yourself. Now, this is where it kind of gets a little tricky. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. So he's not saying, hey, forget about yourself, right? He's saying, hey, count others more important, 
But you still have to know the way, and you still have to go the way. If we look at John chapter 13, verses 2 through 5, this is the Last Supper. And it says, During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had came from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, took a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. True leadership, biblical leadership, is based off of serving. We see Jesus here washing the disciples' feet. If we skip down to verse 12 in John 13, it says, When he has finished washing their feet, he put his outer garments back on, resumed his place, and he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. But if I then, as your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Jesus is saying, hey, I am the Lord. I am the Son of God. Yet I just washed your feet. You know what? Hey, everybody in here, kick your shoes off. We're going to wash each other's feet. You guys ready? I don't see anybody moving. Pair up. Uh, Whoever gets mine, I haven't changed my socks in a week because I've been preparing for this. So I got any takers? Obviously, I'm kidding. But you see how crazy of an idea that is. Now, we have socks, we have shoes, we have vehicles. Our feet don't get as dirty as theirs. Think about their mode of transportation was camels, donkeys, horses. All these animals um, eat, and we all know that one you put food in, it also has to come out. So think about what these guys were walking through. Their feet were not clean. And the Son of God got down on his knees and washed their feet. Back to John Maxwell. My favorite quote from John Maxwell He says, to measure a leader, you do not measure the number of people who serve him, but the number of people he serves. Let me read that again. The measure of a leader is not the number of people who serve him, but the number of people he serves. You want to be a leader? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to serve? Because if you know the way, and you are willing to go the way, there's really no choice but to show the way. There's really no choice but to show the way. In Galatians chapter 5, 
It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That last part. Through love serve one another. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. John chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus talking here. He says, By this people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Do you see where I'm headed with this? You want to show the way? We have to love one another. We have to serve one another. We have to want to love and serve one another. Again, if you truly know the way, and you truly go the way, you'll have no choice but to show the way. I read a quote the other day. It says, The truest form of love is giving to someone knowing they cannot return the favor. The truest form of love, giving to someone knowing they cannot return the favor. Let's look at what 1 John 3.16 says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. You can't get any more truer than that. Jesus, being perfect, living perfectly, knowing that he's walking among sinners, that everybody who had ever lived before him was a sinner, everybody who will ever live after him is a sinner, yet he is walking the earth perfectly, laid down his life and paid the price that was meant for us, knowing that we cannot pay him back. We cannot pay him back. If you're sitting here, and like I said earlier, you don't know Jesus, you don't have to feel like you're alone. Because you can look to your left, you can look to your right, you can look in front of you, you can look behind you. And the Bible says that we're all sinners. And that we all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of those sin is death. We all know cause and effect. If you do something, there is a reaction, there is an effect. We all know how the system works, the, the judicial system. If you break the law, there are consequences, there are fines. God is saying, since you sin, your fine, your wage that you have to pay is death. But then we get to the second half of that verse, and it says, The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read that again. The free gift of God. It's a free gift. All we have to do is accept it. That's the first step we talked about, to know the way. The Bible, as I said earlier, gives us clear Instructions, detailed instructions. It says, if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a movie called God's Not Dead, and one of, one of my favorite quotes comes from this movie, and the main character goes and he's talking to the, his pastor, and he's saying something about how do you know, or I, I don't remember the, the exact details, but the pastor says, it's simple, but it's not easy. Man, it, it's, it seems so simple in our mind. We first learn Jesus. We know the way. Then we can just go the way. We can follow Jesus. It's going to be easy. I'll just read my Bible and I'll follow along. It's simple, but it's not easy. But if that's you sitting here and you haven't made that decision, today is the day to make that decision. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart. It's a heart change. You have to change your heart and truly, truly believe Jesus died for your sins and that he raised again three days later to create a way for us to go, a path for us to follow. If that's you, Please reach out. I would love to talk to you. Pastor Justin would love to talk to you. Anybody you see wearing a lanyard, I just volunteered all the staff here, but um, volunteers, if you see them wearing a lanyard, go talk to them. Um, we, would love to, we would love to get you on that first step, understanding that there's more steps than just the first one. There's more. It's a movement. Like Pastor Justin said last week, being a Christian it's following Jesus. It's not just taking that first step and stopping. It's continuing. It's following. It's moving. And I'd like to challenge you guys. This might be a stretch, but I thought it was cool. So you guys are stuck listening to it. In 1855... 1855, a 40-year-old Sunday school teacher went to a shoe store. At this shoe store, there was an 18-year-old young man that was in his Sunday school class. Now, this 18-year-old young man had been on the fence about what, what he was being taught. The Sunday school teacher's name was Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball had been fighting with the Holy Spirit about going to the shoe store. So one day, he finally gave in, and he went to the shoe store. On that, on, that, on that young man's break, he went out and he talked to Edward Kimball. And on that day, Dwight Moody accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Some of you might be familiar with Dwight Moody. You ever heard of Moody Bible Institute? all over the country. That's, that's Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody started a Sunday school class of 13, which quickly grew to 1,500. Dwight Moody went on to preach to Civil War soldiers. He traveled the world. In one of his travels, he was in the British Isles preaching, in which his message had such a profound effect on a school teacher that she went back to her class and taught her entire class what Moody was teaching. Her entire class accepted Jesus. She went on to tell her preacher, 
what had happened. Might be another name you recognize. Her preacher's name was Frederick Meyer. Frederick Meyer was so moved by this, he came to America. And he ended up preaching at one of Moody's Bible Institutes in Massachusetts. In one of his messages, he's quoted as saying, If you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? A young preacher by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman heard this, and it shook him. J. Wilbur Chapman went on to be a great evangelist, starting an evangelism ministry. He later became a pastor. When he became a pastor, he gave his evangelism ministry to a young man named Billy Sunday. You may have heard that name. Billy Sunday went on to be one of the best-known evangelists of the 20th century. He went on to lead a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1924. In 1924, that revival inspired a group of men to create an organization to continue on Billy's ministry. Through this organization that was created came a young man by the name of Mordecai Ham. You may have heard that name. Mordecai Ham had a reputation of seeking out the biggest sinners. So the way it was explained to me was Mordecai Ham would go on a revival and he would walk into town and he would say, who is the biggest sinner in this town? And then he made it a point to single them out and to go talk to them and to go evangelize to that person. Mordecai Ham led a crusade in 1934, also in Charlotte, North Carolina, where 6,400 people accepted Christ. Among those 6,400 was a young man named Billy Graham. Billy Graham, as most of you probably know, became one of the most well-known evangelists ever, but he grew to his fame in 1940s. Billy Graham led more than 400 crusades from 1947 all the way till 2005. Many of those crusades were aired on national television, And one night in 1953, a televised Billy Graham crusade found its way to the television of a young man here in the Detroit area of Michigan named Tom Johnson. That night in 1953, Tom Johnson accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Tom Johnson went on to have a family, and he raised his family in a Christian home. Tom had a son. Tom's, name, Tom's son was named Randy Johnson. We call him Doc. Randy was saved in 1967. In 2015, Randy Johnson got hired by the River Church. In 2021, he transitioned into the education pastor and started Pastors Academy. For the last two years, Randy Doc Johnson has been my mentor, and I think it's fair to say that without him, I'm probably not up here speaking with you right now. Now, that might be a stretch, 
It might be a stretch, but 170 years ago, somebody who knew the way, was willing to go the way, and was willing to show the way, stepped out on faith, and 170 years later, here I am. Now, my challenge for all of you, in 170 years from now, will somebody say, I knew Jesus? I know Jesus because you were willing to know the way, go the way, and show the way. Are you willing to serve? Let's pray.